<laughs> no, we're all cre- we're all born as artists. You know, every child is creative. They don't have to like try to be creative. They don't have to learn how to be creative. They just it comes out of them. And I think that's our natural state. So you know, society kind of tries to put us in boxes. And we kind of get cut off from that innate creativity. So returning to creativity, there's an element to healing the inner child, you know, and and to kind of um, unlearn some of the social conditioning that keeps us from our creativity. Now let the magic begin. Hello, hello, Njaima. Jemayomis. It's Raquel and welcome to Your Own Magic, a grounded, spiritual, and expanding podcast for the creative and the curious soul to help you unleash your own magic. I had so much fun, so much fun recording this episode, I must say, with the very bright and clever and multi-talented, multi-faceted creator who came on the show back in September of 2018. So it's been a minute since he's been on, but I'm so thankful he came on again. We've got James McRae. He is the creator of the widely popular Instagram meme page, Words Are Vibrations. He shared his book, Shit Your Ego Says, at that time, and now he has a new book that is out that I must say is a must read. It is called How to Laugh During an Existential Crisis, which many of us the past uh, few years may have experienced on different levels. I mean, after this conversation, you will likely be interested in checking that book out full of memes and essays and poetry, and it's just a great book anyway. And James, I mean, he's a meme king. If you know his page, you know he is a meme king. And in fact, we talk about memes in great length. And I must say that I learned more about memes in this episode than I ever thought I would. And I have a greater appreciation for them. Definitely learned more about them than I ever anticipated to learn about them in life, but they are a beautiful art form and he has mastered them. But man, when it comes to this episode, I mean, James, well, he's a writer, of course. So we talk about writing to a great extent, along with poetry and having creative rituals and releasing creative blocks and the yin and yang of creation. And now I have a little side note here. James, he didn't even know it because I didn't say it, but he reminded me of the proper pronunciation of yang instead of yang, which we were taught, likely taught as kids, at least here in America. And so... I definitely say yang from time to time, but the truth is the proper pronunciation is yang. I took Mandarin class, I should know this, but yang is proper and seems to stem from tai yang in Chinese meaning sun. I mean, I I still may not be pronouncing it properly. Perhaps my Rocky Mountain accent is to blame. It's definitely closer than yang. So yang, you know, yang in Chinese mythology represents the sun and light and our masculine self in life and creation, our courage, our ambition, our adventurous self or our action taking side and our extroverted side and Yin is the moon, our feminine self in life and creation and the shadows and softness, gentleness, darkness, wisdom, relaxation, peace, and introversion. 
Anyway, James breaks down the yin and yang of creating and the creation process in a very simple and effective way. And I subtly enjoyed him tapping into his yin side and his yang side throughout this podcast as he shares his experiences in life and his passions. He talks about being a technology optimist while also he embraces nature and being a poetry and art devotee. And he, of course, navigates his intuitive senses while creating. And he also pretty much daily takes action and executes and shares his creations with the world, doing so in an intuitive and aligned way. And he also talks about being part of the dance of co-creation and how to have a healthy relationship with social media in this day and age, especially if you would love to fully express yourself, but instead of finding any sort of parameters online a hindrance, he found the silver lining and found a way for it to be more expanding for his creativity. One other thing that I feel like bringing up in the intro that I found fascinating was he brought up a Native American expression on higher power and what he shared, which you'll hear, is something that deeply resonated with me as I feel this energy that that source god higher power energy but can't i i don't feel like defining it and i i never heard a term that hit home so much for me in my life especially this new season of my life and so i was so grateful he brought that up when he did oh my gosh my chills were like mountains i like to have a variety of people on this show with different perspectives so that there's not really monotony or one stream of consciousness and so Yet I do feel like he has this special genius about him and he's consciously not being too controversial because at the end of the day, he says he wants to spread love and awareness. And I feel like that's the purpose of this podcast in general. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode. Oh, and of course, this is the part of the episode. I share my membership site at yourownmagic.life. The membership site is now 2222 for this new year, which is half off. It's a one-time payment now of $22.22. You receive a wealth of meditations by me, along with spiritual and mystical tools and rituals I used for years and journalings that you can wake up to and meditate on while you journal in the morning or at night or in the day, whenever you journal. And again, it's at yourownmagic.life, not .com, .life. As always, it's in the show notes along with a link to connect with me and to connect with our guest, James. Anyway, with all of that being said, let's get on with the show, shall we? And now, I believe it is time to let the magic begin with James McRae. We have James here, the Meme King. James, thank you so much for coming back on the show for the second time. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. I'm very happy to be here and chat with you today. Amazing. So the first question that I like to ask all the Euro Magic guests lately is, what is lighting you up most in this season of your life? Oh my goodness. This season in my life, let's see. So much is going on right now. You know, I, I had a, a new book that came out in November of 2021. It's called How to Laugh in Ironic Amusement During Your Existential Crisis. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's a collection of poetry and memes. And it's really the first book ever to 
kind of um, include memes as like, you know, a central part of the content. Right. So, you know, that came out and, and, and that's been a lot of fun to, to release that into the world, especially because it's really based on just the craziness of the world we live in today, you know, like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, if that, and, and that's, a, and that's an understatement, right? Like the world is, is very crazy and, and doesn't seem to be, you know, going back to any semblance of normal anytime soon. So I really wanted to write a book that captured the feelings and emotions of being alive right now in 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 the middle of a you know an absurd strange changing world um so it's been great to to put that out into the world and and now that it's you know it's kind of like the middle of winter uh, which is really a, a time for going inward so now that the book has been out and that's kind of you know the energy of releasing that has been you know, just put out into the world. Now I'm just really going in and reflecting and, you know, letting, letting the winter, um, you know, what the winter does, it really kind of kills off the parts of ourselves, just like it kills off the, the dead nature out into the world. It's a time for us to kind of let the old wash away and to kind of uh, just go back to our essence so we can emerge just like spring always emerges from the the darkness and 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 death of winter mm-hmm. and uh, we 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 can, we, can, we can emerge as a um reborn so to speak so i'm i'm trying to really just align myself with the natural cycles and uh, and go through this period of of winter, go inward, and just go back to my own essence, and then um, you know prepare for whatever rebirth is uh, is on its way, both for me and for the entire world. Yeah, oh, so beautifully and poetically, of course, said. I mean, and I think that a lot of us are experiencing this right now as winter is here and we're going inward and we're reflecting. And to be honest, books like yours, I mean, I read a lot of the How to Laugh in Ironic Amusement during your existential crisis, which by the way, when that was sent to me, that was exactly when I needed to write Mm. with what I was going through. And it was a great reflection of that. And I know I'm not the only one. And I know that there are others that are still experiencing this. And so I highly recommend everyone read this book and enjoy the memes. And I'm curious if you draw the memes and you come up with all of these amazing messages that, yes, hilarious, but also so expanding and true and honest. And I'm curious if you're the one that creates every piece of it. Well, it's an interesting question because memes are many different things. So I'm actually working on launching uh, an online course where I teach people how to make memes. Fun. Oh, that is perfect. Um. <laughs> That's so dope. I love that. So there's no one way to do it. You know, there are there are some hand-drawn illustrations in the book. Those are drawn by me. I'm not a great artist in terms of drawing, but I can I can, you know, piece together some creative stick figures pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) 
so those are mine. And, you know, me- memes are really an interesting art form where they rely on a lot of what I would call found objects. So it's similar to there's a in art history, there's a movement called or there's a, there's a style of art called the ready-made, which is kind of like taking something you find in that exists and like maybe slightly adapting it. Like a famous example would be Marcel Duchamp taking a urinal. I think this was in the 30, the twenties or thirties, or maybe even earlier than that, maybe even the teens um, in the, in the 20th century, he took a urinal and he signed his name on it and he put it in an art museum and people are like, what is this? This is an art. Like you didn't make this but he just signed his name and called it art. (laughs) So a lot of memes are similar in the sense that you find uh, an image. uh, They're kind of called meme templates where there's a memes, there's a meme illustration uh, in a way. And the meme artist will just adapt the image with their own message. So there's a lot of, if you look at memes, there's a lot of similar memes that use a similar template whether it's an illustration or a photograph and every artist interpret interprets it their own way so a lot of it is like found is like found stuff like and some of these illustrations like they're just kind of anonymous like no one really knows who created them they just get picked up by people that make memes and it just they just go viral and um so so uh, part of the art of the making a meme is just deciding which images to use and knowing where to find the good ones. And, you know, the, the book, unfortunately, I, cu- I couldn't include a lot of memes in the book because a lot of memes do use copyrighted material, right, whether right. it's like, you know, images from movies or whatever. Of course. So uh, I couldn't use anything that's copyrighted. Luckily, on social media, you can. You can just do whatever you want. But yeah, memes really, there's a lot of different ways that they are made. And, you know, luckily I went to uh, art school for college. You did? I did. Yeah. Where? To study graphic design uh, at the um, Art Institute of Minneapolis. Beautiful. I grew up in Minnesota. So memes don't require a lot of like, like skillful art or design training, but they do require you to know how to manipulate digital images, even, even if it's a simple way. Like, how do I add type to this image and how do I choose the right font and the right placement? So... So even though I haven't done graphic design in many years, having done that training, just I have a basic understanding of how to manipulate digital images, which helps a lot when it comes to making memes. Yes. Another thing I love about memes as well is that it's one of those, if you know, you know, type of scenarios. Like you see a meme and the co- it brings a community together. Like let's say that there's a similar meme and then people branch off of that meme with coming up with whatever, you know, message comes to them or whatever funny instance that pokes at the human nature comes to them. It's it's beautiful. And, let, you know, maybe someone sees that exact meme for the first time. But to be honest, I love seeing the same meme over and over. It's so funny when people just come up with different things to say with each meme yeah that's that's really what it is and um you might see it once and then it's kind of 
I don't know. Take you, you have to see a meme a few times before it really starts to sink in, and then like <laughs> sometimes, yeah. And then and then you keep seeing it, and then it, um, yeah. It's just funny to see it, like how they emerge and they become really popular, and then they spread like wildfire, and then they eventually die off. You know, some last a long time, but it's fun to see what new memes you know, come along and then it gives the meme artists a whole new sandbox to play in. So it's, it's a fascinating art form. It really is. Absolutely. And I was just thinking about how TikTok has their trends. It's not a 2D meme. It's just a trend that people branch off and then they have like their own little unique twist to it. But I like that memes are simple. One picture that can poke at or just reflect something that you're likely going through or you've noticed. And then it just brings a whole community together that feels the same and you feel less alone in that sense. Yeah, and you know the the really the the formal definition of a meme is really any viral idea. Oh, wow. So any so it's kind of like any like the word meme was coined in 1976 wow. by a social scientist named Richard Dawkins. See, you're the meme king. You know this. <laughs> He's really um He's really most famous for being like a very outspoken atheist and he's like a biologist. Yeah. But he he came up with the, this idea of a meme which is kind of he he called it like the science of memetics. And what it is is it's 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 what what a gene is to a biological system. So like a gene that exists in biology can adapt and if it's a successful adaptation from the laws of evolution, it will be replicated within that biological system and it can kind of go viral and become like the new normal. Mm-hmm. So a, a, a meme is to the world of culture and ideas what a gene is to biology. So any idea that spreads and it could spread and become and go viral for a year or for a century, you know, like look at how an idea like Christianity, like look at how an idea like Christianity spread. Like it started out in the desert with a few, a small group of people and through word of mouth and eventually through written texts that were really hard to find. um, This idea just spread and spread and spread and spread. And it became really the dominant religion of the world. That's a extreme example of what a meme is. It's a viral idea. So it's interesting, you know, like, so when, when you say TikTok videos and there's TikTok trends, that is a meme because it, it's, it's an idea. It's kind of like a meme template where it's an idea that people will use and adapt and spread and it kind of goes viral on TikTok. So technically speaking, that also is a meme, but you know, now for shorthand, people use the word meme to describe like, like you said, like a 2D image with 
text on yes. it, and that's kind of that's kind of, that's kind of like an internet meme. But in a, in a in a in a broader sense, any idea that kind of goes viral in a culture is technically a meme. Wow, I've never thought of the Christian church that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a meme. Mm-hmm. It kind of is. It kind of is, and that, and that doesn't say it's right. not. That doesn't that doesn't mean it's not real or not. I'm not mm-hmm. com- commenting on the quality of the religion. Yeah. It's just it's just an idea that kind of catches fire and spreads in a, in a culture and especially how it's adaptable, like, like a meme template people, like I said, any meme artist can go and interpret a meme in any, in any way. And that's, uh, that is kind of a prerequisite for a successful meme is it being adaptable. And you look at Christianity and it's super adaptable. Like, all so many cultures have taken Christianity and molded it in their own way. So that's part of what makes something successful is its ability to adapt to whatever cultural context it's thrown into. James, that is so cool to think about. Also, sometimes people use the word meme synonymous with the word troll, I've noticed. Like, oh, they're just memeing. You know, they're just trolling. I've noticed that as well. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like, it's funny. That's like the, the internet... Um, this the internet language that people use, you know, like, it's just like, there's a whole internet language. And that's like to make memes, like that's one of the main things you need to do is just spend a lot of time online and be a bit of an internet nerd because (laughs) (laughs) you need to kind of speak, you kind of need to speak the language. Yeah. Do you think that you speak that language, the, the language of the internet, especially the deep internet? Yeah. You know, I'm not deep, deep. Like I'm not like one of these people, like, you know, like Reddit is a little bit too far for me to go. <laughs> you know, I, I, the deep corners of the internet are like Reddit and, you know, there's like other like weird message boards. Right. But yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm a fan of the internet. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a technology optimist. Oh, I like that. So, and even like having worked in I, graphic design and, and like, um, you know, just been in the like digital space kind of professionally like for a long time um i've always spent a lot of time on social media and you know it's kind of a thing like oh there's a backlash now against social media and rightfully so because we're we're all so addicted to it and we spend so much time on it and uh, you know one thing is you could do is just cut it out or limit your time on social media and we, we probably all should but also it's it's about using it in a healthy way and not uh, an unhealthy way. Like if you're gonna, you know, when I'm on social media, I'm usually either like making art or I'm finding memes to use or I'm being inspired. Like I, I mostly follow, you know, accounts that will give me new ideas, as opposed to like following accounts that like trigger me or upset me or you know, looking at the news too much. So I really curate my social media experience. So it's more inspirational and it really helps my creative process and sparks new ideas to, you know, to, to be scrolling. So I I try to use social media a little bit more mindfully than, um, you know, than just kind of mindlessly scrolling. 
I think that's such a valuable, a valuable piece for people to keep in mind, especially if they have social media anxiety. What you're saying is like curating what inspires you, I think is key to really developing a healthy relationship with social media. And do you have any accounts, a meme accounts in mind that inspire you? Hmm. Yeah, it's tough. You know, like there's a lot of anonymous accounts on Twitter that just post really random stuff. I try to find like really random niche stuff. Yeah. So, and honestly, like, it's sad to say, but so many of my favorite meme accounts on Instagram have gotten taken down and been censored. Like, um, so many topics on Instagram have been censored, right? um, whether it's sexual content, um, psychedelic content, um, obviously political content and that includes meme pages so there are a lot of really good meme pages that were just making jokes and just you know ultimately just spreading humor because that's one part of memes is like they're they should be funny they're you're kind of poking fun at something exactly it brings lightness to the heaviness i think right so it's sad to see a lot of um, my favorite meme accounts by like really talented creative people get get taken down and there's been a bit of a a war against um memes as as there has been a lot of censorship online so i i, I that's that's been that's been sad to see lately oh that is so that breaks my heart especially because people want to just express themselves freely and at the same time at least there's other platforms they can go to that aren't like you said twitter so that's good to know um also with you and when it comes to expressing yourself and your art i mean do you always have this now that they've created some barriers and boundaries around what to post, you always have to have that in mind. And does that kind of at all seem to hinder your work? I mean, you still post hilarious stuff. So, you know, I've been lucky to avoid censorship. Mm -hmm. It's, but it's definitely affected what I post, you know, not, not that I would necessarily be like super controversial or divisive because that's just not my style, you know, um, my account name is words are vibrations. So, you know, ultimately I want to have a inclusive page that at the end of the day spreads love and awareness. You do. I probably would post a little bit more edgy stuff if I didn't think censorship would be a problem, Mm. but ultimately, you know, I was a poet before anything else. Right. And, the art of poetry is, you know, the the art of using language in a way that is nuanced and subtle and elevated. Imagine like sitting around a, a kitchen table with your family and everyone's bickering. And that's kind of what we're, that's kind of the state of like political discourse today. Yes. <laughs> you know, everyone's just bickering around the kitchen table. Yes. And it's like poetry is communication that's able to elevate the conversation above the bickering where people can kind of find some common ground based on like a higher understanding that's kind of the role of poetry so for me when i make memes it's not that different from when i write poetry i'm i'm using the same approach of 
being mindful of my use of language and how can I communicate the most impactful statement with just a few words. So it's really made me a better writer um, to, because there's not only censorship from Instagram, there's also, you know, people want to cancel people and people want to, um, people are very offended and triggered by a lot of things these days. So it's been a balancing act of how can I create provocative art and, and, and say things that make people really laugh and make people really like surprised and, and a, a little bit, a little bit shocked because yeah. that's memes are supposed to be provocative. Right. And poke it and poke at stuff. So how can I do that while still also trying not to be divisive and not to be overly offensive. So ultimately that, that just made me a better writer to be more conscious and mindful of my use of language and to phrase things in a way that's going to be impactful without having the same backlash that, that I might have if I said things in a less mindful way. So it's really just made me a better writer. Mm, and that's so powerful as well. And you are exceptionally perceptive of everything it sounds like right now especially with your art and the language of this art and how it's moving and evolving with the times and i think that that's one of the reasons why people are just drawn to your work whether it's posting on instagram or your book or otherwise and you clearly have a great relationship with creating i love a natural look with some shimmer i love that lightly soft contour but add of course some shimmer and some blush some highlighter a whisk of eyeliner on the outer edges and of course a strong lengthening mascara that does not clump or flake that's basically the look i usually go for so whether you like a more natural look or full glam or somewhere in between you'd love thrive cosmetics because you're not only getting quality cosmetics but you're also contributing to a good cause and you also might already know of them as they have a pretty viral, vibrant turquoise tube on social media for their mascara. And it is a game changer. It is. I'm so happy that Thrive Cosmetics is not just stunning, but also 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And it's packed with clean, skin-loving ingredients. Their high-performance formula set the bar high with uncompromising standards. So no wonder their bestsellers boast thousands of glowing five-star reviews. And what also makes them even more special is that every purchase with Thrive Cosmetics contributes to making communities thrive. Hence the name. I mean, it's also spelled C-A-U-S-E Medics. Thrive Cosmetics. So it's not just about beauty. I mean, they're truly about giving back. So with your support, they donate products and funds to support communities in need through responsive giving. That's why they've been my beauty obsession since 2020. I've been using their Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara since 2020. I mean, this is a magical mascara that lasts all day without a hint of clumping or smudging or flaking. And removal is a breeze as all I needed is warm water and a washcloth. Pretty simple. And also here's the best part. The nourishing ingredients in this flake-free tubing formula not only gives you the length and definition that you crave, but also it supports longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's a love story for your lashes. So Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E 
T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 20% off your first order. Yeah, because I've been an artist really my whole life. Like since I was a kid, I was always drawing and I was always writing and memes are so great for me because I've always been combining like the visual arts with the written arts. And, you know, I went to art school. I've published two books. I worked for a decade in um, creative agencies, both as a graphic designer and then primarily as a brand strategist. So I've always been a creative, both like professionally and and, and, and as a, a hobby. So what I'm now I'm really um, being, I guess, being called or being kind of <laughs> pushed into teaching creativity. And, you know, there are, you can go to art school, you can, I guess you could major in creative writing. Like there are like specific types of art that you can study. But what I'm really interested in is, is, is just the, the, the underlying spiritual factors that fuel creativity. So whether you're an artist, whether you're a writer, whether you're a musician, how can we cultivate that place of intuition and inspiration and imagination where creativity comes from. I have chills right now. (laughs) Yeah. So, and it's part of it. it, It's, it goes pretty deep, you know, it's like a lot of, um, I think, I think creativity is a very healing practice because I think that we're all creative by nature. I agree. And, and yeah. No, no, you're on a, you're in a flow. Keep going. <laughs> no, we're all cre- we're all born as artists, you know. Every child is creative. They don't have to like try to be creative. They don't have to learn how to be creative. They just it comes out of them. And I think that's our natural state. So, you know, society kind of tries to put us in boxes and we kind of get cut off from that innate creativity. So, returning to creativity, there's an element to healing the inner child you know, and, and to kind of um, unlearn some of the social conditioning that keeps us from our creativity. So it's a very healing process. And, um, you know, we have to kind of peel away the layers of trauma and social conditioning that keep us from our natural creative state. So that's really what I try to teach. And, you know, it's 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 kind of about both the yin and the yang of creativity because the yin is the the feminine aspects of you know receptivity and cultivating your intuition and you know being able to tune into your own imagination things like that and then the yang is the masculine aspects of creativity which is actually the making and the producing and the experimenting with form and style and technique so i try to teach really the full spectrum of conscious creativity um you know both from the you know tending the soil to where and nurturing the soil you know to planting the seeds and growing the vegetables um, and then ultimately harvesting those vegetables and, you know, creating a meal. It's kind of like the full spectrum of where creativity comes from. Oh my gosh, that is so beautiful. And man, when it comes to creating, I 
have moments where I do feel, I guess, what they call it as a creative block or you've hit a wall. And I noticed that one way I've released these blocks is recognizing, all right, what part of my ego or what is in the way. I have many different sides to it, whether it's the ego that's like, okay, you have to you have to show up in this certain way in order for people to love you, which is not true, or the spiritual ego otherwise. And I had to kind of really reflect and unlock and see a bunch of that in order to release it. And I'm wondering if you've had certain sectors or voices in your head or egos, individualized egos that have blocked you in any way from creating. And if not, how else have you released creative blocks? Yeah, it's a good question, you know, because one thing about being a creative professional, like when I was working in adver- advertising, it's like, you know, when, you, when you're doing something professionally, you can't really afford to be blocked. Right, right. <laughs> because cause you've got deadlines. Yeah. And, the, and, and you've got a, a client who's paying you, who's expecting something. Exactly, yeah. So there's something that's really useful with that around having deadlines. Like, it's like what... if you know, I, I'm sure most people relate to the idea of, oh, like they don't want to get to something, but then the night before it's due, then suddenly they just like go into overdrive to finish it. So yeah. it's like when we have to do something, we'll we'll find a way to do it. True. So I think that working professionally as a creative for so many years, it's um it's really built my muscle memory of okay, I got, I got to come up with something here. And and even now, like making memes, you know, I post pretty much every day, if not twice, if, if not twice a day. So it, it kind of gives me a the need to keep producing. Now, having said that, you know, I mentioned the yin and the yang. Well, if you're in, if you're in productivity mode all the time, that's being over-reliant on the yang or the masculine aspects of creativity, which is production, right? And that's great, but without an equal balance of the yin, you're going to be out of you're going to you're going to be out of balance, and and that's kind of what we see in society now around the world. And that's you know you can call it the patriarchy, um, you can call it capitalism, but we ha- we live in a world that's 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 out of balance and it's mm-hmm. too much in that action oriented productivity oriented mindset and that causes a lot of problems because without it's kind of like you need to have a f- a full cup in order to to pour it and we need to give ourselves time to refill our energy and to refill our inspiration. So when I was working in advertising day in and day out producing, I was being productive, but at a certain point, you know, you're almost pouring from an empty cup and you need to like refill it. And for me personally, at this time I was living in New York city, which is a very masculine city, you know, and, um, it's all work, work, go, go. And, at the time, and I, I didn't really have a, a spiritual practice, but I feel like living in New York City and working in advertising, I was I ended up 
having to find spiritual practices to to balance it out. So that's when I, like I I went through um, yoga trainings and meditation trainings, and that's when I discovered um, plant medicines, and I really tapped into deeper levels of consciousness through creative rituals and practices that enabled me to draw from a deeper well, right? Cause you can like, you can like stand in a shallow puddle of water or you can dive into the depth of the ocean. And this is kind of our consciousness. So we can't always be in production mode. We need to also, give our t- give ourselves time to you know explore our own consciousness and that way when we go back to making stuff you know we're pu- we're, 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 we're pulling from the depths of the ocean instead of the small shallow pool of water so that's where spiritual practices and rituals and mindfulness um, come in handy, which are really balancing out the the yang with with the yin. Mm. And I'd love to hear some of your rituals, but you just brought something to my awareness. I had a little epiphany moment when you were talking about everything, and I've been craving going to New York. Mm. And I know for me, I'm very much always in my yin to the point where I actually don't really produce a lot or live that go, go, go side, which I know is also, it's nice to have that balance of the yin and the yang, especially in this society. But man, I know that it's a challenge for me because sometimes some parts of it just feels icky and I'm not interested. But I know that there are some things that I want to produce and execute and I can create. I have a whole wealth of stuff to share, but I just, you know, I'm always in that, I guess, as you described it, um, that world of the yin, but it's so important as well to share it and execute it. And that's my challenge. Indeed, your book, The How to Laugh in Ironic Amusement During Your Existential Crisis. I mean, you did that through Thought Catalog, right? It was published with Thought Catalog, yes. Yes. They never gave me a deadline. Did you have to give yourself one? Because you were talking about how deadlines help you yeah. make sure that you produce it. So I don't apply that pressure on myself. I just act as though I have all the time in the <laughs> world and then nothing is ever produced. Did you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So Thought Catalog did not give me a deadline just because they're they're an independent publisher. So I'd, I had a lot more freedom. Like I, I, I got to set my own release date. Yes. They're, they were very collaborative and it was very easy working with them. And it was kind of like whenever I'm ready, like it's kind of on my schedule, which was great. Most publishers have deadlines and like you have to hit it and they'll get mad at you if you don't. So I had my own schedule, but the thing is like, I just, I love creating. And you know, this, this is, it's the, 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 that particular book, you know, it's, it's not a textbook. It's not a, it's not a history book. Like, like some books are, hard to write. Like you need to like research, you need to outline, you need to lay it out. It's, there's a lot of factors that are involved. 
I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky that the art I make for the most part, it's, it's fun and it's engaging and I love making it. Like there's nothing that I look forward to more than getting up in the morning, um, brewing a big pot of herba mate tea and opening my notebook and just seeing what comes out. You know, it's fun for me. Like it's, um, I get, I get excited doing that. So if I don't, if I don't, if I don't make something every day or, you know, at least start something or, you know, pull something out of my own subconscious onto a page or a computer screen, like I just don't feel, I just don't feel good unless I, unless I do that. So I don't put pressure on myself. Like some people are writing a book. They'll give themselves like a word count. I have, I need to write this many words a day. That, I don't do that. That doesn't work for me. I just give myself a lot of space, but I just enjoy the process so much. Like, because I love what I do that it just kind of, it motivates me because I have fun doing it. Like creativity should be fun. It should be exciting. If, if you're, if it's not fun and exciting, like Maybe you need to change your relationship to it or find a different way in that that makes it fun. Because if it's fun, then you want to do it and then you're motivated to do it. And it's not work, it's play. Yes, very, very, very true. What are some of your creative rituals to get into the zone? Well, at this point, it's pretty simple. You know, I I do meditate every morning and just how, like if I, I feel off if I don't make something every day, I feel off if I don't meditate every day. And I'm strict about that, but I also don't have, I'm not rigorous. Like I'm, it's like 10 minutes a day and it's, you know, just close my eyes and focus on my breath. And I don't worry too much about my technique or whether I'm doing it right. Or I don't put a lot of pressure on my meditation, but I do do it. I do make space for it. So it's, it's, it's like, a, it's like very, it's very rigorous, but it's also very casual, kind of like my creative process. Like I show up every day to do it, but I'm, it's casual. I don't put pressure on myself to do anything specific. And if no ideas come out, like it's fine, but you just got to create that space. So for me, it's really meditation, um, having tea or coffee to kind of fuel your mental stimulation. And I really just tune in. Like if I'm not working on a project and I'm just trying to just be creative and see what comes out, it's similar to meditation where I call it like listening to the space between my thoughts, where I just sit down, open my mind, listen to my body, and just kind of, it's kind of like a sensing. I'm just like sensing what I feel, what's kind of coming through. It's almost like a, you know, I think the act of creativity is very similar to the act of channeling. You know, and what is channeling? Like you're tuning into this subconscious place. And I think creativity is similar. You're just kind of tuning in. You're kind of tuning down the volume of your ego and tuning into this like undefined subconscious place. And then that, that's why the intuition is so strong for the creative process because you really need to, 
navigate with your intuition to feel your way through to what's trying to come through. And then you just pluck these ideas from the subconscious mind or whatever dimension it is that ideas and intuition and inspiration come from. And then you can play around with that idea and make it into something. So I might have an idea and then it might become a poem. It might become a meme. It might become something else. And I just kind of play around with it to see what that idea wants to become. So I'm, I'm in a way, I'm just, I'm kind of trying to channel as, as best I can. That's beautiful. And everybody has a different experience with how they feel in the process of creation, whether they feel like they're the ones creating it or they feel like they are co-creating it with some other entity or whatever it is. What does that experience feel like for you? Do you feel like you're channeling co-creating with guides or something else? Or do you feel like this is just you diving into the depths of your subconscious and just sharing whatever is there? Yeah, I think it's definitely a co-creation because I don't know where these ideas come from. Like my job is to sit there and get myself in the right state of mind to be inspired or to receive an idea. You know, my conscious mind isn't guiding the creative process. It's really, it's really about being in flow, which is about being in that subconscious space where things happen naturally. And it's like, oh, I just wrote that. I I, I don't really know where that came from. <laughs> so there are a lot of ideas around where, you know, ideas come from. You know, in in ancient Greek, they talked about the muse and the muse was like a spirit that would, you know, come down and and whisper ideas into the poet's ear or the artist's ear, you know, and they, they, they called it the muse. And there are other ways to interpret that, you know, um, you could look at Carl Jung, said there was a collective unconscious that we all kind of have access to and we can kind of tap into the collective unconscious and pull ideas from that. Um, If people who are more religiously inclined, you know, prayer is similar, like you're communicating with the divine through prayer. Um, And like I said, channeling, like there are people... I'm sure you've seen the people out there that claim to be channeling the Pleiadians or <laughs> whatever alien group they believe in, right? Yes, yes. So these are all different ways of describing the unknowable process of intuition. You know, I think it all. I think all of these things are just metaphors for our, our own intuition, and different traditions and lineages give us a different framework to understand that process. I think all of those are are similar, and it all comes down to intuition. And you could also say it's just your higher self. Like that's another way you could describe it. It's just oh, my higher self is. I'm 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 collaborating with my higher self. That's another valid metaphor. But whatever it is, you know, I don't, one thing that I say is like, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to know, you don't have to know, you know, what, 
what the muse is exactly. You just need to know how to tune into her and learn her language. So it's a, it's, it's, it's definitely a, 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 a co-creation for me. And for me, it's just, you know, I, I love what some native American traditions, they just called it the great mystery, you know, instead of God or this and that, it's just the great mystery because ultimately we don't know what's out there. Yes. We don't know where our consciousness comes from. So <laughs> right. it's just about honoring the mystery and opening ourselves to it and just being part of that dance without trying too hard to define, you know, what it is. Cause that's, that's, that's when spirituality becomes religion and dogma is when we try too hard to like describe it and put a specific name and face to it when ultimately it's just it's just a mystery and we can interpret it in a way where it's like we can have certain mythologies around the mystery but ultimately i don't think it's useful to claim that we know exactly what it is because it is in its essence a mystery i have chills right now and tears in my eyes and my heart is swelling because everything you just said is speaking to my soul Mm. oh man i feel so connected to this i love the thought of calling this higher power this essence this consciousness this greater consciousness that we all are connected to this great mystery because i have been feeling lately a lot like, well, I understand some people say it's this and others say it's this, but we don't really know. I just feel a connection with it and whatever this is. And so that is so beautifully said. And that is the space we can tap into when we create. And you definitely do. I mean, I just pulled up some of your memes. I have a little James memes folder I just created for this (laughs) to go through some of your memes that I just thought were amazing. And I'm curious, okay, there's this one with a little alien guy and a heart on his shirt. He's so stinking cute. Did you draw him? Yeah, I did. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, it's so cute. And it says, have you ever searched your house relentlessly for something only to realize it was already in your hand? This is what humans are doing with love. Mm. And then I love this as well, um, bringing in the what's going on with the world, but mixing it with love. The CDC just announced that lack mentality and limiting beliefs are not allowed anywhere near me in 2022. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wait, I have to do a couple more. These are just so great. Oh, I love this one with you in the, I don't know what they're called, virtual reality goggles. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the prayer hands. So funny. And then you tag the metaverse. Yeah. That's <laughs> so funny. People got um, mad at me for that one. Really? Why? You're just having fun. Well, because I was promoting virtual reality. Oh. And I, 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 I've noticed that there's a lot of people in the spiritual community that are afraid of technology and virtual reality. Oh, interesting. And, and I'm not even a big fan of VR. Like someone sent me that headset. So I just, <laughs> yeah, sure. Took a, just I, took, I just, <laughs> I've used it like once. I took a picture with it. Yeah. I had, I had, I turned the comments off on that post because I had a lot of people that were quote unquote spiritual that were just mad at me because I was promoting the metaverse or VR, something that they felt was inherently evil. And I'm like, well, I think, I think technology is just a, 
another expression of of nature and we can use it in bad ways and we can use it in destructive ways but at its core technology is just a tool that we can do whatever we want with it and we can do a lot of good with technology like i wouldn't know you and we wouldn't be having this conversation without technology so very true you know so i I, that's why i said before I'm, i'm i'm a technology optimist but um I did notice that a lot of people in the spiritual community are um, fearful of the advancement of technology because it, it takes us further away from nature. Yeah, I get that, and I get that, but I think I, I think it's about I think it's about finding an integration of technology and nature where it's more seamless. So it's not one or the other; it's just kind of like a a healthy relationship between the two. Beautifully said. And I know it's a very sensitive time. And many of us, not I'm not going to speak for everyone, but many of us are triggered by a variety of things these days that we never thought we would be. And so understand that maybe people are lashing out. It's a very sensitive time. And I've been triggered by many things too that I had to work through. I've just noticed that there's something bigger than what it seems to be on the surface, like you wearing the virtual reality goggles, something bigger with it within them. Mm. Um, I understand. I understand why people will lash out, but I just want you to know, James, and I'm sure you know this, but it's not you. Thank you. Yeah. Cha- change <laughs> is always uncomfortable. Scary. Yeah. Very, very uncomfortable. Certainly. I like these as well. Well, here's a good one. Hard pills to swallow. Your haters are just reflection of your own self-doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, another one. We're just going through some of these because I love them so much. If you don't mind, mm-hmm. I could have I could have gone through all of them, but here are many that I collected. Um, I like this with Squidward asleep peacefully with a smile on his face, <laughs> and he he write how I sleep knowing I am a background character in everyone else's lives, and people don't think about me at all. <laughs> I love that. I think that's a great quote to keep in mind if you feel any sort of social anxiety or yeah. other anxieties when it comes to interacting with people. Yeah, it's it's a scary and also liberating thing when you realize that no one thinks that much about you because we're all self-obsessed. Yes. And and like, you know, we have people we we have, we have people in our lives that, that we, we love yeah. That we love and that we spend time with and obviously we th- those people are on our minds. But no no one is judging you as much as you're judging yourself. No one is like thinking about what you're wearing as much as yourself. So it's it's just liberating to remember that people aren't thinking about us as much as we think they are and we build up a lot of anxieties in our in our own head that really only exist in our head and you know aren't realities outside of our own anxiety yes amen to that amen to that and do you mind if i share a couple more that you posted please do okay amazing so i think this one's really funny it's a cat on the phone talk about people feeling triggered this is definitely what triggers people me checking the news headlines to see what sort of fuckery the simulation dropped today (laughs) (laughs) so funny it's so golden oh my gosh and then (laughs) <laughs> I feel like did you draw this alien meme the one with there's four aliens they're all they all look the same or is it one that's a common one on the internet because I feel like I've seen it before it sounds like I didn't okay it sounds like I did it I'm not sure maybe you did though let's see it, it's the green aliens why are humans so unhappy 
because they stigmatize sex and normalize greed. Oh, damn. Yeah. No, that one I didn't draw. But, okay. um, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> it's so true, too. <laughs> that we normalize greed. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, exactly. Yeah. I, I saw, like, how could I, like, I, sometimes I like to think about a lot of my memes have aliens in them, and it's like, it's because it's fun. It's funny. Yeah. And insightful to think about humanity from the perspective of an alien. I agree. I do it all the like, time. If you're an alien that comes to Earth, like, what do they think about humans? So I just thought, like, what's the problem with humanity? Like, how how could an alien summarize that in one sentence? Yeah. And you can't really because, like, there's a lot, like, you know, you can go in a lot of different directions with that. So then I think, like, well, what's a funny angle? that's it's funny but also has some deeper truth so yeah they normal they norm they stigmatize sex and normalized greed where it's like we made sex and pleasure taboo but then greed is normal and okay it's like hello patriarchy yeah (laughs) there you go the aliens look they're looking at us just like we're a bunch of crazy monkeys running around and you even have a funny meme about that where humans came from let's mix our dna and see what happens it's an alien meme and then there's a monkey meme sure what could go wrong <laughs> that's so yeah and that's 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 a joke but that's a real theory is that you know, <laughs> humans are an alien experiment you know where it's like a hybrid uh biological experiment and um or half we're half alien and half monkey it's yeah you never know could be true i could see that i could see that i love these memes oh one last one i thought this was great we were just talking about this james Mm. my only spiritual belief is could be jesus died for my sins could be reptilians rule the world could be ancestors are guiding me could be my mind is fluid my heart is steady anything else feels like a trap and you were just talking about how that's when dogma comes in and i've been releasing even once i uh started going along this spiritual journey outside of christianity i started to um take on some dogmatic practices and beliefs that i've had to shed and that's what also shedding that allowed me to be more creative in my poetry where i feel free to talk about everything from dating love heartbreak sex like all the human things that i didn't feel comfortable or safe to talk about before Mm, love that that's what sparked in my mind when i read this meme and i know everybody has a different experience reading memes yeah it's true and yeah I mean, we, that's one of the biggest (laughs) insights that I could share is like, from my own personal experience is, you know, I, we don't know a lot, (laughs) you know, we, 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 we can feel and sense things with our intuition. Um, there's very little we know about reality and, and what this is and where we come from and where we're going. It's like, um, the the more you can kind of set down this need for certainty like that because the ego wants to be certain and feel like it knows something with certainty so we, we it's natural human um behavior to kind of want to know and to think we know and to strive for an answer but that's often you know it's a very ego driven mindset but when we can just step back and be comfortable not knowing and again accept that great mystery and really just to marvel at the wonder of 
it all and appreciate the mystery without having to define it and quantify it. You know, that's that's the place where creativity can flourish. That's the place where new ideas can be born mm-hmm. because we're not locked into certain mental traps of certainty. So I, I try to avoid dogma at all costs and just be open-minded and admit what I don't know. Yes. And just to appreciate the strangeness and the mystery of it all. Mm. Amen. Oh my gosh, I have chills. You are literally speaking. You keep speaking to my soul. Mm. These so beautifully, so beautifully said. Do you happen to have time for rapid fire? Absolutely. But before we get into rapid fire, are there any other messages on your heart that you feel like sharing? Mm. You know, I just, uh, I appreciate everything you're doing. And I appreciate everyone that's tuning in and listening. And, um, you know, we're all in this crazy journey together. And the more compassion and forgiveness we can have for each other along this ride, the easier it will be. And compassion is if, 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 if you're, um, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are. Uh, if you're not open-minded and compassionate because ultimately that's what it is. So yes, it's just a good reminder to, um, you know, that's ultimately what it all comes down to is love and compassion and empathy. And you do walk the walk, walk the talk. I just have to say that. Thank you. Also for everyone listening, another one that last time I was on this popped up, it was, so I just want everyone to go look at your page, scroll down and find the Confessions of an Ascended 5D Aquarian Starseed. <laughs> I lost it. Yes. <laughs> that's, my, that's probably my favorite piece. Yeah, I guess that's a, oh, um, I guess that's more of a poem. But it's kind of a jokey poem. Yes. So there, it's, it's, there's a meme kind of mm-hmm. quality to it. So funny. All right, rapid fire. So coffee or tea? Coffee f- or tea first, coffee later. Wild. What? That's new. Tell me why. Because. I love that. I love I love them both, right? But yeah. coffee narrows your perspe- your perception. Mm. It, 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 it's, it's a lot stronger than tea. So it focuses you and narrows you. Interesting. So in the morning, I like to start with a little bit more of a subtle caffeine because it, it, it kind of keeps me more kind of my mind kind of open and kind of expanded. And then late, maybe in the early afternoon when I want to more like just get some work done or kind of power through something, then I'll have a cup of coffee. But because coffee will just focus you and give you a stronger push, but it will, Mm -hmm. it'll kind of shrink that open channel that you have because it narrows your consciousness Mm -hmm. more. So there's just a Mm trade-off between one and the other. Interesting. Interesting. That's news to me. Um, I'll look into that for sure. That's, I'm very curious now because I have a coffee pretty much right when I wake up every morning. <laughs> well, I love Herba Mate tea because it's, I start every day with Herba Mate because it's much stronger than regular tea and I make a big pot of it. So it's like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like a delicious earthy tasting beverage that has, it is good. You know, and I, I make it. I, I make it pretty strong. Ah, so yes. it's kind of like I, I want. I had a friend describe it once that he he started every day with tea and then had a coffee later as well. Mm. He said 
starting your day with tea is like starting your morning with a song. <laughs> whereas like starting morning with coffee is like starting your morning with an alarm clock. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I feel like, okay. And I'm not an expert at all, but I feel like everyone has different sensitivities to coffee as well. True. You know? And so for me, if I'm being honest, I've always felt like starting my day with a cup of coffee with some oat milk is like starting my day with a song. Yeah. It's just kind of a slower, it's like a slower ramp. If you have, if you have tea first, it's kind of like you start, you start slow and then, and then you have coffee later. It just gives you, for me, it gives me more of like a longer runway yeah. than like having coffee. And then I'm kind of like ready to crash or something. <laughs> fair, fair. You yeah. know what? I will try this. I don't feel like I need to change up my routine, but I am curious about this. I'm very curious. And so I'm always willing to experiment and see how I like it. Um, and I love yeah, Herba Mate. I love Herba Mate. So that w- it won't be a struggle to experiment and try it out. Mm, I recommend it. <laughs> a form of body movement. I would say, yeah, I would say yoga is what I do the most. Yeah. And it's also good just to dance like, and, and by dance, that could be anything that could just be shaking your body, yeah. <laughs> but just like, just like, that random movement, that random rhythmic movement. So I, it's kind of like ecstatic dance, but you can just also just shake your limbs out. It's just a really good, like if you need a break or you're, you're, you're stuck somewhere mentally, just shake out your body and um, it just changes your whole energy. That's so true. So, so, so true. Do you happen to have a favorite crystal? Uh, I'm not an expert of crystals. I, I, do, I, I, I do have a few crystals in my room, uh-huh. but I'm not an expert <laughs> on like the, the, the like the types. I, uh, I, got, I got a couple. They look, they, they, they look nice. And I, I, I believe that there is, you know, there is energy yeah. to crystals, but I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just not an expert. Right. That's fine. That's fine. Do you know your big three? Astrology? Yes. Astrology. I am a Cancer Sun, Hmm. an Aquarius Moon, and a Capricorn Rising. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. What is your happy place? Where is your happy place? Um, You know... This past summer, I live in Texas now. Oh, you do? I live in Austin now. You moved from LA. I did. Oh, cool. Austin seems awesome. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I love, I love LA too. Like I, I miss LA and the ocean dearly, but um, it's fun to be here now. But yeah, this past summer, I really spent a lot of time kind of in like in the park with um, kind of like just receiving the energy of the sun and it's funny that you know sun worship is like the oldest religion and it's like when you look at when you we're you know we look at like what i was we we're talking before about like where life comes from and like what, what is all of this well in a, in, a, in a very literal sense like life comes from the sun the sun is what it, it allows us to be alive so I've just found a really deep appreciation for the sun and practices like sun gazing. And um, now, of course, it's very, it's, it's dangerous to stare at the sun when it's, you know, bright in the sky. But when it's closer to sunset, um, like just looking at, at the sun and just kind of like receiving that energy, I think that's a very powerful spiritual practice. So, um, my happy place would, would be kind of like in the, like in the sun and, um, 
I've also kind of uh, developed an affinity to sunflowers, and I and I kind of have this I kind of have this personal theory that sunflowers are the um, a symbol of poetry, and it's kind of like the the the, the official flower of poetry. Really. And yeah, that's my, that's my own theory, and um, I'd love to hear more. There's just been a lot of poems written about sunflowers throughout. Absolutely, I mean, I and agree. Sunflowers, but also roses. Ro- well, yeah, roses are classic. <laughs> but, roses are classic. What? And what but I, what, I, what I love about a sunflower is that well, they'll, they'll actually twist and turn their faces oh, so they yes. face the sun. Oh, beautiful! And I think that's kind of what poets and artists do is they. You know, they turn to face the sun and to receive that beauty and that light. So I've just kind of fallen in love with the sun and with sunflowers. And I just love to kind of just kind of bask in in the sunlight and to receive that energy. And I, I think it's a very um, powerful spiritual practice. Yes, that's amazing. That's beautiful. I never thought of it that way, but they are very poetic, and especially when you put it into those terms. Now, is there an animal that you connect with most by any chance? Well, I've got two uh, mini Australian shepherds that I love to death, and they're my first pets, and they're my first dogs, and they have changed my life significantly so i love my dogs apart from that um in terms of like spiritual animals i mean they're spiritual animals they definitely are (laughs) but um coyotes are a bit of a spirit animal for me and coyotes are known as kind of the trickster archetype Mm -hmm. and making memes I feel is a bit of that kind of trickster energy as well, where you're kind of poking and provoking and using humor and being a little bit provocative to, to teach a lesson. Yeah. So, um, so I feel connected to coyotes, uh, as well. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. What are your dog's names? Pepper and Tulsi. Cute. Very cute. Yes. And then do you happen to have a favorite breakfast? Hmm. I love breakfast. I love, so first of all, I don't eat in the morning. I don't, I, I still like, it's almost like before, before you eat, like once you eat, it kind of like weighs you down a little bit. So that's kind of like with the coffee thing. I like to start my mornings as just kind of pure and open and food can interfere with that. So I usually don't eat until late morning early afternoon but i still love breakfast food and eggs and avocados and and things like that um i love so yeah like a breakfast taco mm, perfect <laughs> and there's lots of them here in texas so i'm i'm, I'm in good i'm sure I'm in, I'm in the right the right place for that you have the best food around you it's not bad you know i don't, I don't eat red meat so i don't take advantage of the of the barbecue that's here that's what one of the things that they're known for. I just think Austin in all of Texas, Austin just has a variety of a lot of healthy yeah. options as well. And like organic conscious foods as well. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So aside from your book, if you could gift everyone, you know, a book, what would it be? So my favorite book is probably the Tao Te Ching, mm. which is an a- ancient Chinese uh, text. That's kind of one of the foundational um, scripts of Taoism, which is one of the oldest, you know, religions that we 
kind of know of. And I love the Tao Te Ching because it is spiritual poetry. Like every time you read it, I've been reading it for years. And every time I pick it up, I it, it feels new and fresh to me because it's not giving you specific lectures around what you need to do. It's just... It's it's exp- it's, exp- it's expressing the nature of the universe through poetic language. So it's really open to interpretation, and whatever you're facing, you can kind of find a, an answer um, in the in the in the in the Tao Te Ching. So I would say that one. Beautiful, beautiful, and the universe gifted you the opportunity to share one message across billboards all over the world, James. What would your billboards read? Hmm. Probably like just take a deep breath. Ooh, yes. Take <laughs> a deep breath. We always need a reminder. Yeah, you can tell someone to believe something or this and that, but um, actually directing them in an action is very useful to everyone. And I just think how you know how we breathe is how we live. And if we if we take, you know, deep breaths, you know, we'll have a deeper life and that's kind of the the most foundation. I mentioned the sun as a foundational spiritual practice. Well, breath is the other. You know, the sunlight and breath are the essence of life. So, being mindful with our breath is hugely important. Hugely important. I agree. I love that as a billboard. Okay, this is the last question. I've asked you this before, and you're likely going to answer this question completely differently because you're in a different season of life. So how would you advise the, your own magic listeners to create their own magic? Hmm. Well, first of all, I believe that everyone is a magician. You know, we, we, we all are capable of magic and, you know, creativity is one form of magic. You're creating something out of nothing. It's magic. <laughs> we all have we all have magic. We all have medicine to share. So it's really about finding the, the spells that you want to cast and being really clear about the spells you want to cast. We all have our own gifts to the world. We all have our own medicine. I did not expect memes to be part of my magic and medicine, but yet here we are. So it's really about just getting down to your own essence and understanding the magic that you want to make and being very clear about your own path and not following anyone else's template and not measuring yourself against anyone else's standards, but just going deep within yourself, aligning aligning with your own purpose and knowing what spells that you want to cast. It's that intention that fuels the magic. It's it's that that clear intention and purpose. So and and that's going to be unique to everybody. So it's it, it truly is about finding your own magic. Ooh. Ooh, James, so beautifully said. Oh, everything, everything. This podcast episode is so expanding. And I mean, I never had any expectations, but if I did have an expectation, it definitely exceeded it because this was so impactful and beautiful. And there were many moments that spoke to my soul. And I know many people are going to want to connect with you. So where can everyone connect with you and find all your work? 
Well, first of all, thanks for the great conversation. I always love connecting with you. Um, you're very, you're, 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 you're a, it's a joy to, um, to talk to you. So thank you as well. Um, and my main, um, place to find me is my Instagram and my handle is at words are vibrations. And, um, if you go to the link in my bio, you can buy my books, you can check out my podcast and all that fun stuff. And communities, your courses. Mm-hmm. You, you can join my upcoming meme course. NFTs. I do have some NFTs for sale. <laughs> I, I, I have started to um, make some of my memes into NFTs. So if you want to own an official That's Words Our Vibrations meme, uh, you can do that. Good for you. Amazing. James, this has been such a great conversation. I hope you come on again soon. Anytime. Would love to be back. Yomis, that is a wrap. That is a wrap for this episode. I hope that something spoke deeply to you, expanded you in some way. Please let me know if so. You can catch me on Instagram at Raquel Mantra. I spell Raquel a different way than most, so you can see the spelling in the show notes. Or hang out with the Yomis, the like-minded, very conscious and expansive and helpful souls on the Euro Magic Facebook group especially a place to turn to when it comes to well whatever you're going through and there are several tools on the euromagic.life membership site all right well thank you so so much and have a magical rest of your day